Thanks, Trina. Thanks, Matt. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, if you weren't sure if it was Christmas or not, I wore my fancy clothes for you. I only wear my fancy clothes on uh, really important occasions, and Christmas happens to be one of those. So I'm in my, in my best clothes tonight. Uh, welcome to those of you who are joining us online as well. Great to have you, and great to have so many here this evening. Well, I wonder if you have ever had an unexpected arrival on the doorstep. Uh, I was home a couple of weeks ago uh, and saw someone sort of coming down our driveway. The dog went crazy, uh, which is usually a good sign that someone unexpected has turned up. Uh, anyway, when I answer the door and there's a guy there in a suit and I'm thinking, okay, what is this? Is it an uh, electricity provider? Uh, is it some kind of door-to-door sales? What is it? We can imagine my shock when uh, I answered the door and he said, oh, hi, my name is um, Detective so-and-so. He's a plainclothes detective from Bendigo CID. Well, the look on my face obviously prompted him to say very quickly, don't worry, there's nothing wrong. Um, I, I was really, it was such a shock to see him there uh, when he introduced himself. No, no, it's okay, it's okay. And he was just making some routine inquiries um, about some activity that had been uh, in the neighborhood. But it was such a shock. It was an unexpected arrival. Contrast that with an unexpected arrival. Uh, Andy and the kids and I are living in Adelaide. And uh, out of the blue, my brother and his wife turned up unexpectedly and unannounced to celebrate a family birthday with us. And the joy and the excitement and the gratitude that I felt when my brother and his wife turned up unexpectedly. Very different emotions between the detective uh, and my brother and his wife turning up. There's a different emotions with unexpected arrivals. And I imagine that most of us have experienced an unexpected arrival at some point in time. Some of those arrivals are really, really welcome, and some of them are not. And I think what makes the difference is our relationship with a person who has unexpectedly turned up. When someone we love shows up unexpectedly, it fills us with incredible joy and excitement and happiness. And in fact, it doesn't even matter how many dirty dishes there are in the sink. It doesn't matter if the floors haven't been vacuumed. When someone we love turns up unexpectedly, it is such a joy. And if you go on to social media, there's actually pages dedicated to people showing up unexpectedly um, at relatives' homes. And you see, again, this overwhelming emotion and joy uh, with these reunions between loved ones. And the greatest unexpected arrival in history is, that the, is the one that we celebrate every Christmas, Jesus. As we celebrate another Christmas, we celebrate not just the arrival, arrival of hope and peace and joy, as we've looked at over the last few weeks, but we also celebrate the arrival of love. The love of God fully expressed and fully embodied in Jesus, who was born to offer us the perfect love of a perfect God. Now, the arrival of this Messiah, this Savior, was really highly anticipated, but the arrival of Jesus was completely unexpected. Um, as Andy, Dave, and Matt have unpacked for us over the past few weeks, the coming of the Messiah of Israel's Savior had been prophesied multiple times um, over hundreds of years earlier. And Israel was expecting someone to turn up who would save them from their oppressors and give them victory 
and sovereignty as a nation. But when the Messiah, Jesus, actually arrived, there were very few who recognised him. They didn't realise that their saviour wasn't an earthly king who would fight their political and cultural and even religious enemies, but instead a heavenly king and a spiritual saviour who came to provide a way for every person, that's you and me, every person to know the love of God. If there was just one word, if we had to boil it down to just one word to sum up why Jesus was born, lived and died, it's this love. And if there was just one verse to sum up why Jesus was born, lived and died, it would perhaps be one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3, 16. Um, Whether you are new to church or you've never been to church, maybe you're joining us for the first time online today, it's quite possible that you have heard this verse because it is so famous. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. God is completely motivated and compelled by his love for us to provide a way for our broken relationship with him to be restored, both now, right here today, and for all eternity. In Jesus, God steps right smack bang into the messiness of our human existence. He arrives into a world that has rejected him, lived independently of him, and is completely lost without him. And he does it because he loves us. And he also does it because he knows that we are created by him for love, loving relationship with him and loving relationship with one another. We crave love because we are made for love. But what sort of love? Our culture puts forward so many different interpretations and versions of love that fall so horribly short of the perfect love that God has for us. Love is often used in place of uh, attraction, desire, or lust. Love is often seen as temporary, something that is real for as long as we feel it, um, or it suits us, or it's reciprocated. We have shows like Love Island, uh, The Bachelor, Married at First Sight, that make a mockery of the love that we actually really crave deep within us. Disney fairy tales, romance novels and movies define love with all sorts of unrealistic expectations, manufactured drama and sugar-coated outcomes that paint really distorted versions of love. And the hard truth is that closer to home, we often know that we fall short even when it comes to loving the people around us that we're closest to. We all know what it is like to hurt, disappoint and fail those around us even the ones that we love the most. And each of us also knows what it is to be hurt and disappointed by those that love us. And in spite of all that, we still crave love. We still long for love. No matter our age, our marital status, our cultural background, our economic status, no matter who we are, We crave love and we need love. A love where we find belonging and acceptance, forgiveness, security, faithfulness, compassion. And this is the type of love that the Bible is filled with. There's another really famous passage about love. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if you've, ever, if you've been to a whole heap of weddings, you may quite possibly have heard these verses before. It says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of love I crave. I think it's the kind of love all of us crave. And it's the kind of love that all of us need. And it's God's love. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but the New Testament doesn't just have one word for love. Uh, the original uh, language that the New Testament was written in uh, is Greek, a, a very old Greek, not the same one as today's. And they have a whole range of different words to describe different loves, like brotherly love, love for fellow believers, uh, romantic love, love for family. But the word used in this passage is, is the word agape. And it's specifically used for the kind of love that God has for us. It is love that is perfect, completely without fault, failure or weakness. And it's the kind of love that each of us desperately wants to be loved with. But the thing that amazes me is that God isn't, doesn't just talk about this love. God isn't satisfied to just tell us that we are loved. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, that is, while we rejected him, while we were far from him, while we were messing up our own lives, Christ died for us. God demonstrates, he shows us his love in the most powerful way. Jesus, God's perfect son, is born into the messiness and brokenness of the world and our lives. And he demonstrates, he lives out and completely embodies through his life, his teaching, his miracles, and ultimately through his death on the cross, that we, you and I, we are loved beyond anything we could ever imagine. John was one of Jesus' first disciples and arguably his closest friend here on earth. And he's the same John that wrote the, the passage from John 3.16. And he talks about this love of God in a letter that he wrote, and it's called 1 John. And if you have an opportunity to read that over the next few days, I really strongly encourage you. But there's these verses in 1 John chapter 4, and John just says it so beautifully. He said, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. I really encourage you to go and read 1 John chapter 4 because it's so beautiful. And it's so true because it says that God is love. It's not just something he does. It's, it's actually who he is. It's part of his very character. And our very capacity to love comes from this love of God. And it's this love that is demonstrated through the birth, 
the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And this love that arrives with Jesus' birth is what he wants all of us to experience, not just at Christmas in our fancy clothes, but daily and in life in all of its complexity. And speaking of complexity, Christmas can be complicated, can't it? As we go into our Christmas, some of us will be almost beside ourselves with excitement to experience the joy of being with those that we love. But then there are some of us who are facing the reality of missing people that we love, perhaps for the first time or maybe after, for, you know, for many years, we've, we're missing the people that we've lost, that we're grieving. Maybe we're missing people because they live far away or maybe we're missing people because our relationship with them is broken. And there's a reality too that there are some who are facing Christmas alone this year. But this word of hope and joy and peace and love that we have is that no matter what situation we're in, whether we face Christmas with excitement, trepidation, grief, or even a mixture of all of those combined, we can carry with us this truth. Jesus has arrived and he offers us himself as the full embodiment and expression of love. Whatever we face, Jesus' love is with, is with us and he is with you. And we get to bring this love to the people around us. No matter what situation we are facing this Christmas, Jesus calls us and helps us to love others with the same love that we experience in him. I want to go just quickly back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world, again, that's you and me, that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but we'll have eternal life. When we put our faith in Jesus, who filled with love for us, gave up his life on the cross, we experience a restored, loving and eternal relationship with the God who created us. And here's the amazing thing. It's his gift to us. We don't have to buy it. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to bargain for it. We don't even have to be good enough for it. We just have to receive it. To say, Jesus, I, I believe that you are who you say you are. And I thank you that you came and you lived and you died and you gave your life for me. And I believe that you rose from the dead. And I believe that in you and in your love, I can have eternal life. I put my trust in you. I give my life to you. And I want to live my life now, not separated and distant from you, but right smack bang in the middle of your love. And that's something that we're reminded of every Christmas, that Jesus came as the greatest gift, this gift of love and this gift of eternal life. Jesus' first arrival over 2,000 years ago, it was unexpected. And the reality is most people missed it. But Jesus promises us that in the future, he will arrive again. He's coming back. There's a second arrival. But next time, it is going to be totally different. He's coming in power and glory and splendor and victory, and no one will miss it. 
He will come again, and for all of us who put, for all who put their trust in Him, there's eternity to spend with Him, experiencing the very fullness of love, that perfect love, without any weakness or fault or failure. And I want to encourage you this Christmas, if you haven't accepted that gift of God's love, for this to be the Christmas where you do that. Or maybe you're here. Maybe Christmas is the one time you come to church. Maybe you haven't been for a while. Maybe you're joining us this evening. And maybe that gift of Jesus' love has kind of been just on the periphery of your mind and of your life. I want to encourage you this Christmas to grab hold of this perfect love that God gives us. It is the greatest gift that we will ever receive. And this Christmas, we celebrate the love of God. We celebrate the fact that 2,000 years ago, God showed up in the vulnerability of a brand new baby, Jesus. We celebrate that He stepped into the messiness of our lives and He offers us His love in all of its perfection. And as we celebrate the love, the joy, the hope and the peace of Jesus this Christmas, it's also an opportunity for us to bring that same love and joy and peace and hope into the lives of the people around us as well. Um, I want to encourage all of us to take the love of Jesus uh, into our homes, into our families, into our neighbourhoods, into every situation that we face, whether you're online or you're here in the room. Why don't we pray together as we, um, before we sing? Why don't you join with me? Jesus, we thank you so much for the amazing gift of your love that we can know, not just at Christmas, but we can know every day of our lives. Jesus, I thank you for this gift that you offer us, this gift of eternal life. And Lord, if there is anyone here in this room, if there is anyone online, Lord, that tonight wants to receive that gift, to trust in your love, to experience your love, perhaps for the very first time, or maybe in a new way again this Christmas. Well, I pray right now that you would come by your Spirit. Lord, that you would be at work speaking and moving them towards you. And if that's what you want to do, if that's the decision you want to make tonight, if you want to put your trust in Jesus, I just encourage you to ask Him to do that, just simply to pray. Jesus, I thank you that you were born for me. I thank you that you came to show me what real love looks like. I'm sorry for living my life independently of you. I put my trust in you and I ask you to please come and fill me now with your love, your joy, your hope and your peace. And Lord, help me and lead me for the rest of my life. And Jesus, I pray for all of us this Christmas. Would you help us to experience your love to a greater depth? Give us your peace and your hope and your joy. And Lord, whether we are celebrating, uh, surrounded by people that we love, whether we are on our own, Lord, that we would know that you are with us. Jesus, we thank you that your love knows no measure or bounds, but you can fill us to the fullness of joy because you offer us perfect love in you. And so, Jesus, we, we thank you and we love you. May we express our love to you this Christmas and for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.